is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I hope you'll stick with us, believe it or not, all three hours. It's one of those shows. I know what's coming. You don't, but I know what's coming. You know, it's interesting, and in, uh, the Democrat Party hates America. I have two chapters relating to... Democrat Party racism, anti-black racism, and anti-white racism. But in both the chapters, I talk about the Democrat Party and anti-Semitism. Those of you who haven't have read the book know what I'm talking about. But many of you have not, so I want to talk about this a little bit. And this is a kind of show where we need to go step by step and integrate one part with the other. And it all makes sense when I'm done. So the watchword here is patience. My wife says I have no patience, but the watchword here is patience. In early September 2016, writes Rabbi Yaakov Menken, managing director of the Coalition for Jewish Values in The Observer, he says the Obama administration reacted angrily to a video in which Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu pointed out that the Palestinian Authority intended to be, I can't even see, unfortunately, Judah Varon, ethnically cleansed of Jews. The State Department willfully distorted Netanyahu's remarks, asserting he was promoting Israeli settlements and reiterating its false claim that those settlements are illegal. In other words, the Obama administration twisted a statement about Arab bigotry against Jews into a perceived injustice against Arabs. Later this same month, Obama delivered his final address to the United Nations General Assembly. And he said in part that Obama, and surely Israelis and Palestinians will be better off if Palestinians reject incitement and recognize the legitimacy of Israel, he said, but Israel recognizes that they cannot permanently occupy and settle Palestinian land. 
Well, Obama's words may sound to the untrained ear as if Obama was striving for balance. These two phrases could not be further apart. Apparently, the Jewish people are the only indigenous people, I write, that Obama, the Democrat Party ruling class, and their ilk do not recognize. Mencken says, Jews lived in the area Jordan labeled the West Bank continuously for the past 3,000 years, save for brief periods when they were massacred and the survivors were forced from their homes, most recently by the Jordanian army in 1948. Arab land, so-called, tacitly endorses Arab ethnic cleansing of Jews. In fact, Obama was disastrous for the state of Israel, as he was for the United States. He denied Israel arms for a period when it was under attack. He signed an agreement with the terrorist Iranian regime that, in, that ensured its acquisition of nuclear weapons and threatened Israel's existence. He directed his Secretary of State, John Kerry, to abstain rather than vote no on another anti-Semitic U.N. resolution against Israel. And he attempted to unseat Israel's elected prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, and treated him disrespectfully when he visited the United States and much more. Remember, uh, this book came out in September. September. Biden has picked up where Obama left off, reversing President Trump's pro-Israel policies. He negotiates with the Iranian regime in secret, reportedly promising tens of billions of dollars in financial relief and acceptance of Iran's substantial advances in nuclear weapons development. He bypassed the Teller Force Act, which prevented United States funding of the Palestinians unless they stopped using the money to reward the families of Palestinian terrorists for murdering Jews. Teller Force was a former U.S. Army officer who was part of a Vanderbilt University tour group who was stabbed to death in a terror attack that left 10 others wounded in an old section of Tel Aviv. He delivered, did Biden, hundreds of millions of dollars to the Palestinian Authority and much more. And Biden has done next to nothing to address the growing anti-Semitism. Remember, this is in September. In the Democrat Party or on Democrat Party supporting college and university campuses. Campuses came out two and a half weeks before the October 7 attack and what you see breaking out. The editors of National Review, in an editorial title, Time for Democrats to Address Their Anti-Semitic Problem, explained that anti-Jewish attacks did not spring forth in a vacuum. Increasingly, the American left has gone beyond mere criticism of the Jewish state, of the sort that is made against other nations, and adopted the kind of virulent strain of anti-Israel rhetoric that was once mercifully relegated to the far-left college campuses. In this environment, squad members like Ilhan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib can falsely accuse Israel of being an apartheid state and of empowering U.S. military aid to target civilians and children, a new spin on the old blood libel, and experience almost no rebuke from their own party. And this is September. The NR editors continued the intense opprobrium save for Israel and spared authoritarian nations such as China and Iran betrays the progressives less moral corruption. And rather than react in dismay, New York Times progressive columnist Michelle Goldberg 
lamented that attacks on Jews might undermine the Palestinian political cause. Rather than distance themselves from violence conducted by their allies, former Bernie Sanders surrogate Amir Zar implored progressives in a video and tweet to stop condemning anti-Semitism. He said, you are not helping. You are playing their games, meaning the Jews. It's a distraction. Instead, he urged followers to say free Palestine and nothing else. This is a Sanders right-hand man. Czar needn't worry. Most progressive politicians who did bother denouncing the recent wave of violence against Jews diluted their rebukes by also condemning rising Islamophobia. You know what, Mr. Purdue, this book was really prescient, was it not? Creating the impression that advocates of both sides of the Israeli-Palestinian debate were engaging in violence, which is needlessly to say a myth. Indeed, for American Marxists and the Democrat Party, anti-Semitism fits neatly into their political and ideological narrative. Writes National Review, there is little political upside for Democrats to call out the squad. Polls show a party that has lurched leftward and become increasingly antagonistic towards the Jewish state. As Iran Harsi, Iran Harsi Ali recently noted, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict feeds into many of the progressive left's ideological biases. The narrative of the oppressor versus the oppressed, of the colonializer versus the colonialized, of the genocide perpetrator and system of supremacy. And do the Democrat Party leaders condemn what is taking place among their ranks? When it comes to Ilhan Omar and company, where's Nancy Pelosi? Where's Chuck Schumer or, Dermot, or Dick Durbin? To this point, nowhere to be found. It is, of course, true that neither left nor right has a monopoly on anti-Semitism. These days, however, one party, writes National Review, is increasingly under the sway of a noxious, all-encompassing hostility toward the Jewish state. The Democrat Party, I point out, is not only tolerating anti-Semitism, it is promoting it. Not so with the Republican Party. Nonetheless, the Democrat Party, and again, attempts to project upon the Republican Party and others the bigotry and hatred that have always defined it in one form or another. This is typical of arrogant autocratic parties and regimes which use propaganda to distract and manipulate events. Jonathan S. Tobin, editor-in-chief at the Jewish News Service, responded to an effort by a Democrat-aligned writer to paint former President Donald Trump and the Republican Party as the real home of anti-Semitism. He says, to the contrary, Trump was not only the most pro-Israel president ever, but surpassed his predecessors in opposing anti-Semitism on college campuses. And it closer ties to Jews than any other previous president via his family and close associates. The claims that he never condemned right-wing extremism or had endorsed the neo-Nazis who marched in Charlottesville, Virginia in August 2017, which continue to be voiced by the left, were simply untrue. The argument that Trump somehow encouraged anti-Semites on the far right with his trolling of his critics and foes on Twitter as well as in his speeches, was pure partisanship. It's also hypocritical, since it's the sort of charge that is never applied to liberals, like Biden, who are also 
prone to hip, hyper, hyperbole and dishonest and dishonest attacks on their opponents. Tobin declares, and I quote, the reality of contemporary politics is the GOP is a lockstep pro-Israel party with philo-Semitism in the norm. Philo-supporting Jews is the norm. The opposite is true of the Democrat Party, whose intersectional left-wing embrace of critical race theory has driven growing hostility to Israel and support for ideologues in the Black Lives Matter movement that embrace the idea that Jews are white oppressors. And rather than isolating their extremists, the party's progressive wing and pop culture and media cheering section have embraced them. Tobin explains that for many on the left, their goal is to redefine anti-Semitism in a way so as to label the demonstration of Israel and the Jews as legitimate discourse rather than hate speech. And I meant demonization, not demonstration. Indeed, Biden has a history of treating the state of Israel, this is me, the only Jewish state in the world and established after World War II and the Holocaust as a second-class country. Now, keep in mind, the state was established, but the Jews have always been there. So we have people who do pop history lessons on cable and so forth, and they want you to believe it all started in 1948. Obviously, it didn't. Just open your Bible. He speaks down, does Biden, to its elected leaders, that is in Israel, when those leaders are members of the Likud party, Israel's largest political party for the last quarter century, and it's conservative. It's also Israel's most prominent conservative party. On June 22, 1982, Senator Biden confronted then-Israeli Prime Minister Menachem Begin, by the way, one of the great leaders of the Likud party, during his Senate Foreign Relations Committee testimony, threatening to cut off aid to Israel when Begin refused to accept Biden's demands on how to run his country. You see, Biden does this all the time. The Democrats do. And I'll get into this later. This is why I'm laying the foundation for you. Just be patient with me. Biden looked directly, excuse me, Begin looked directly at Biden and said, don't threaten us with cutting off your aid. It will not work. I am not a Jew with trembling knees. I am a proud Jew with 3,700 years of civilized history. Nobody came to our aid when we were dying in the gas chambers and ovens. Nobody came to our aid when we were uh, striving to create our country. We paid for it. We fought for it. We died for it. We will stand by our principles. We will defend them. And when necessary, we will die for them again and with or without your aid. How profound today, the same Joe Biden with another prime minister out of the Likud party. Today, as I point out, Biden is at it again. Again, this book came out in September. Like his former boss, Obama, Biden is actively undermining Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, his coalition government, and the state of Israel, as it faces down the Iranian terror state and its nuclear weapons development and Palestinian terrorists. The Wall Street Journal editorial board recently asked, why does President Biden go out of his way to snub, criticize, and give marching orders to the government of Israel. At least rhetorically, the president and his administration treat Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his governing co uh, coalition worse than they do the ruling mullahs in Iran. 
Tom Nides, Mr. Biden's departing ambassador to Israel, chimes in that the U.S. must speak up to stop Israel from going off the rails. I have a little bit more. I want to complete this for you, but I have to. And and there is an ending to this that's very, very important as it applies to today. Just stick with me. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Have you seen the headlines lately? Third highest deficit in history. Digital dollar sparks uncertainty. We're living in an unpredictable world, but gold is still gold. It's weathered many storms. My gold gives me peace of mind. It's tangible. And I'm a firm believer in owning gold. My favorite gold company? Augusta Precious Metals. Why? Let me tell you something. They're top of the top. If you have an IRA or a 401k and you want to diversify with physical gold, you can learn about the benefits of a gold IRA from Augusta Precious Metals. They're outstanding. Get a free guide to gold IRAs from Augusta Precious Metals today. Text LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, LEVIN to 68592. Or visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions to get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. All right. The Wall Street Journal notes that Biden's Israel policy has been counterproductive. USA to anti-Israel international bodies has resumed. And all of Judea and Samaria and East Jerusalem is treated as occupied territory. This is now a liberal article of faith. But how does it advance peace to indulge Palestinians in the belief that Jews are interlopers in Judea at the Western Wall as well? Biden has... Not, I'm writing, and never will treat another country, especially an ally, with the kind of condescension and disdain he singularly saves for Israel and its democratically elected government. And despite his self-aggrandizing lies in which he claims a decades-long record of supporting the Jewish state, his motives are sinister and his contempt is obvious. In other words, Biden treats Israel as a second-class ally. The Jewish state is a second-class ally subject to control, interference, threats, and abuses like no other ally the United States has. Now, why is that? More when I return. Have you seen the headlines lately? Third highest deficit in history. Digital dollar sparks uncertainty. We're living in an unpredictable world, but gold is still gold. It's weathered many storms. My gold gives me peace of mind. It's tangible. And I'm a firm believer in owning gold. My favorite gold company? Augusta Precious Metals. Why? Let me tell you something. They're top of the top. If you have an IRA or a 401k and you want to diversify with physical gold, you can learn about the benefits of a gold IRA from Augusta Precious Metals. They're outstanding. Get a free guide to gold IRAs from Augusta Precious Metals today. Text LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, LEVIN to 68592. Or visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text data and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions to get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. 
I spent a lot of time Saturday, I'd say about four or five hours, and about a four hours Sunday, maybe Monday morning, this morning, reading two books. The first one is The Third Reich in the Ivory Tower, Complicity and Conflict on American Campuses. See, this is the first time. And the second book is Hitler's American Friends, the Third Reich Supporters in the United States. And when you look at, I can't read all these books on the air, obviously, but when you look at the table of contents, the Third Reich in the Ivory Tower, this is a fantastically important book. You can see that it's the same universities and colleges doing the same thing all over again. For instance, Chapter 2, Legitimizing Nazism, Harvard University, and the Hitler Regime, 1933-37. to 37. Chapter 3, Complicity and Conflict, Columbia University's Response to Fascism, 1933-37. through 37. It's very sympathetic to it. Chapter 4, The Seven Sisters Colleges and the Third Reich, Promoting Fellowship Through Student Exchange. Chapter 5, A Respectful Hearing for Nazi Germany's Apologists, the University of Virginia Institute of Public Affairs Roundtables from 1933 to 1941. Chapter 6, Nazi Nests, German Departments and American Universities, 1933 to 1941, just as we have Islamo-Nazi, Hamas, and other rat's nests throughout our university and college system. And in this book, Hitler's American Friends, American universities did little to curtail the influence of pro-German speakers on campus during the, obviously, Third Reich. Throughout the decade, German exchange students, some of whom were Nazi Party members and were likely operating as propaganda agents, and other speakers were given mostly unchallenged platforms on university campuses you see that now with the Hamas network and the Islamo-Nazis. American universities, therefore, offer the German government a remarkable level of establishment legitimacy in the United States. Even after the violently anti-Semitic nature of the regime had become clear. Just as Hitler's corporate friends had showed little reluctance doing business with the Third Reich, his friends in academia maintained their own relationship with Hitler's regime. Both the Nazis and the U.S. government were aware of the propaganda potential provided by American universities. Testifying before the DICE committee, John C. Metcalf argued that the German government had a particular interest in American students. He said the purpose of the exchange students on universities has long been to foster goodwill and peace among the nations result in greater understanding. But this worthwhile aim has been neglected in the exchange of German students for American. Now, America students are being indoctrinated with the aims of fascism in Germany, both abroad and at home, to the detriment of democratic institutions in America. Some of this rhetoric served as the intellectual precursor to the 1950s, they write. But Joe McCarthy, but they also say some of it, that is McCarthyism, was legitimate. 
The Nazis did indeed benefit from a dedicated propaganda network within the American academic establishment. Around the country, students and faculty alike increasingly became embroiled in unfolding international tensions as the 1930s progressed. Most often, it was the vocally anti-Nazi professors, some of whom were themselves Jewish refugees from Nazi oppression, who faced the brunt of administrative repression, just as Jewish professors and Gentile professors who speak out now are silenced or threatened and in fear of their own careers and worse. At one point, it was even rumored that the German Council General in New Orleans was offering cash to universities that dismissed anti-Nazi professors. The same was much less often the case for openly pro-Nazi professors unless student or public pressure demanded action. This is important, don't you think? You're learning more here than you're going to learn anywhere else. Trust me. I put in the time. I put in the work. Not because I want a pat on the back, because I am endlessly trying to pursue the truth and information and pass it along to you. These campus conflicts were directly fed by the surprising degree to which American universities and faculty members remain willing to send their students to study in the Third Reich even after the anti-Semitic and violent nature of Nazism were clear. There were, of course, still some legitimate reasons to sponsor a study in German institutions. Before 1933, German universities, uh, let's see here, one second, were among the best in the world and boasted an impressive number of Nobel Prize winners. But not after 1933, the purpose became more than obvious. A little bit more, if you will, as we delve into this. Normalizing Nazism in the American popular imagination and academic circles was the goal. The claim that Nazism might contain some anti-Semitic elements, but was also open to intellectual critique was at best naive. The suggestion that Nazi students were so eager to defend their new uh, government, in part because of the withering criticisms of foreigners, gave their arguments an unwarranted intellectual legitimacy at the same time their government was expelling Jewish academics. By the way, were all the Jews in, uh, in Iran... Not many left. How about Iraq? None left. Where are all the Jews in Jordan? None left. How about Syria? Gone. Lebanon? Almost all gone. Isn't it amazing the, the level of stupidity or intentional diversion by the Biden administration and others of the media and Democrats? The Jews, and I might add the Christians, were all pushed out of this area of the world. In the earliest days of Judaism, there was no Islam. In fact, there was no Christianity. And now the Jews, you see, are occupiers. The insanity of this. And for the West to entertain this, for the Democrat Party to advance this, for Joe Biden to promote this, for Obama to promote it, is sickening. 
1934, left-wing muckraker John L. Spivak published a salacious expose entitled Plotting America's Pogroms that purported to expose Nazi plots in the United States. Based on a series of articles originally published in the radical newspaper New Masses, its seventh chapter was dedicated to exposing the, quote, hate the Jew campaign in the colleges, unquote. The allegations contained in it were explosive. After Hitler's rise to power, Spivak claimed, the German government set in motion a plan to spread Nazism and anti-Semitism in American universities. German exchange students would play one role in the plot, but the real threat lay in the use of domestic fifth columnists. I've been saying this over and over again. Our immigration system has imported Islamists. A lot of other people too, but Islamists for sure. Our immigration system has imported anti-Semites. Our immigration system has imported people who support the destruction of the United States of America. So what did this gentleman write? He said, what the vast majority of students and professors do not know is that in our universities and colleges, there is a secret anti-Semitic organization directed by German exchange students to carry on pro-Hitler propaganda and develop the hate the Jews creed for the sake of pure Aryan culture. Working with these secret organizations are Nazi agents who come here ostensibly to study, meaning these, these so-called students, and 100% Americans in these so-called patriotic organizations which are distributing anti-Semitic propaganda in cooperation with secret Hitler agents in the United States. We know all about the Hamas network, I told you. It's not a conspiracy. They were wiretapped by the FBI. This, look, here's the deal. The Palestinian Nazis who worked with Adolf Hitler and the so-called Grand Mufti, who was a Palestinian, they read Mein Kampf. They read it today. They captured a book, Mein Kampf, in uh, one of the battles there in Gaza. There is, without question, an overlap between the Nazis and the Islamists. There's no question. That's why I'm the one who started calling them Hamas Nazis. The Hamas Nazis. Others say ISIS. Or the, no, they're the Hamas Nazis. This is who they are. And what I'm trying to point out is, in the 1930s, the Hitlerian Nazis were in our colleges and universities. They were also supported by significant so-called leaders in the Democrat Party. It's happening in our country today. These people didn't just show up. This isn't just about wokeism. I just wish some of my colleagues in radio and Fox would understand. This is intentional. This is paid for. This is brainwashing. And this is what's taken place. This group CARE and other organizations, front groups for Hamas and these other terror operations, they have succeeded. This is why I spend endless hours on this radio show, on, my bla on, the, uh, on the Levin TV, on the Blaze, 
on Fox talking about this, talking about our media. Our media are doing the same thing they did during the Third Reich and the Holocaust. These college campuses, although they're more blatant, the individuals are more numerous, they're more aggressive, are of the same ideology. We've imported our enemies. And so when people say, we're not going to bring more people from that part of the world in here, and they're attacked, who are they attacked by? The media? The squad? The same people who brought us to this position. And so rather than saying, we have a huge problem with immigration, we have a huge problem with our colleges and universities, we have a huge problem with our media, we have a huge problem with the Democrat Party, the current president of the United States. Let me say this. I'm almost out of time this segment. For Biden and the Democrats and the media. The Jewish state of Israel is not allowed to win. On and after October 7th, immediately after Joe Biden showed great sympathy for what happened on October 7th. Where Jews were victims. You know, horrific, monstrous atrocities. But when the Jews get their standing, and they go after the enemy, and they start wiping out the enemy and encircling the enemy, then the Jews are portrayed, not as the victims, but as the victimizers. So Israel's not allowed to win. They've been louder and louder and louder today after the weekend, openly as well as their leaks. Too many civilian casualties. I've talked about this before. I'll talk about it until I'm blue in the face. They have no idea how many civilian casualties they are, and they have no idea who's creating them. But if there are too many civilian casualties, let me tell you what's happening tonight. Let me tell you what's been happening the last week. Citizens of Gaza are getting out. They're getting out of the war-torn areas. By the tens of thousands. How did that happen? Thanks to the Israelis. They cut the territory in half. They've encircled the enemy. They're killing the Hamas Nazi terrorists. People are leaving. And now there's a story that the Israeli, the IDF, is getting enormous amount of intelligence about Hamas, where they are, what they're doing. You know who from, Mr. Producer? The Palestinians. Who are escaping. In the end, it's the Israelis who are going to be the great liberators. It's Biden who's trying to prevent Israel from liberating these people and from defending itself once and for all. Israel has demonstrated it can take down Hamas, it can take down Hezbollah. And Biden doesn't like it because his worldview and that of Blinken and Obama was there can be no victor. Israel needs to be weaker. Iran needs to be stronger, as insane as this is. It's called the recalibration to rebalance the Middle East. And look what they've done. It's Biden who's blown up the Middle East. It's Biden who's sending billions and billions of dollars to Iran and the, and the Palestinian terrorists. 
And wait until you hear the next story when we return. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Have you seen the headlines lately? Third highest deficit in history. Digital dollar sparks uncertainty. We're living in an unpredictable world, but gold is still gold. It's weathered many storms. My gold gives me peace of mind. It's tangible. And I'm a firm believer in owning gold. My favorite gold company? Augusta Precious Metals. Why? Let me tell you something. They're top of the top. If you have an IRA or a 401k and you want to diversify with physical gold, you can learn about the benefits of a gold IRA from Augusta Precious Metals. They're outstanding. Get a free guide to gold IRAs from Augusta Precious Metals today. Text LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, LEVIN to 68592. Or visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text data and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions to get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Patriots in my audience. I got a lot more, folks, as well as more about the debt, more about President Trump. And I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. In a moment, I'm going to tell you something you're not going to believe. I had to read it twice. Tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, Americans are marching for Israel. They're marching to free our hostages. And they're marching against anti-Semitism. Obviously, you don't have to be Jewish to be in this march. You just have to be a decent human being. And the marches on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. begins at 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., The gates will be opening, they say, at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. I would encourage people, if they can, to get there, particularly if they live within 50 to 100 miles of that area, but others as well. Um, I think there needs to be a huge showing by patriotic Americans that the people in the streets, that the people burning American flags, the people ripping down posters of hostages, including American hostages. That the people who want death to Israel want death to America too. And I just spent a, an entire first hour of this program laying out what's been going on in these colleges and universities since the 1930s. These elitists hate your guts. And they throw in with Marxism, and they throw in with Islamicism. 
That's first and foremost. I've always said, as you know, you listen to this program for 21 years, those of you who have listened for a long time. The people who hate America hate Israel, and the people who hate Israel hate America. It's really that simple. And it's very true. So again, you can attend this march tomorrow in Washington, D.C. I don't think you have to worry about violence against you, since the crowd will be so massive, I hope. And unlike the violence that you've been seeing in, a, in the streets, unlike the Jewish students who've had to run for cover, as if there were, these were the streets of Berlin, none of that's going to take place tomorrow. None of it. And I don't care what party you're in. I don't care what your race is, your faith. If you're a red-blooded American and you're sick and tired of this, you need to come out in large numbers and demonstrate to everybody that you, that we are the real Americans. The silent majority, the silent supermajority, which is going to appear tomorrow at the National Mall, which is where the great speech was given by Martin Luther King, I Have a Dream, which is where so many important events have occurred. Well, this will be one of them too. And you have an opportunity to be part of history. History, where the American people stand up to this evil, both in our own country and outside our country. Where your voices are heard, where your images are seen from one end of the world to the other. And that's exactly what's going to happen. International press will be there. American press will be there and they'll hate you, but nonetheless, who cares? I just want to reiterate something. Israel has demonstrated that it can and will destroy Hamas if the United States leaves them alone. The United States is sounding more and more like the United Nations than the United States of old. And Joe Biden is responsible for much of what's taken place in the Middle East. I don't mean the atrocities per se. I mean the entire environment where peace was breaking out everywhere, where nobody would have imagined this kind of attack by Hamas. Where Arab countries were falling all over themselves to make diplomatic deals with the state of Israel. Saudi Arabia was next. Where Iran was economically on its back and its people were rising up to overthrow the Islamo-Nazi regime, which has threatened you and me, our country. You didn't hear squat from Hezbollah. You didn't hear squat from Hamas. And you didn't hear squat from that fraud, Abbas, who runs the PLO. The rat-fink Nazi terrorists were hiding in their holes. Iran was holding on by a thread. That is the Islamo-Nazi regime. Then in comes Biden and Blinken. In come the Obamaites and blow up the entire Middle East. 
And you better damn well believe that Joe Biden has this as part of his doing, significantly so. And I ask you a question tonight. Everybody who can hear this program, I ask you a question tonight. Why did Joe Biden take off effectively by not enforcing the sanctions against the exportation and sale of Iranian oil? 90% of which goes to communist China. And having taken it off and seeing the dire consequences of what he did, why won't he now enforce those sanctions? Tens of billions of dollars every month. While he's telling the Israel, don't hit the hospital. Don't hit that street. Don't use that weapon. Don't do this. Don't harm the citizens. Oh, really? Of which country? The Iranians are slaughtering their own people. Syria's killed half a million of its own people. Yemen. The Houthis have slaughtered by the tens of thousands. Arab Muslims. Peace was breaking out. Who is it? That has done more harm to the citizens of the Middle East. Obviously the Arabs and the Muslims. And those are the people to whom Joe Biden, Blinken, are kowtowing. Listen to me carefully. They do not want Israel to win. They're not. You want to know the truth? All these lieutenant colonels and colonels and brigadier generals and retired three-star, they're all on TV. And what are they? The, Israel doesn't want another front. Let me ask you a question. Does Israel sound like it's afraid of another front? Hezbollah keeps firing artillery missiles into Israel, keeps firing missiles into Israel. And what is Israel supposed to do? So they send their jets out there to take out these little rat nests, and they use their artillery to do it, and Israel is admonished by the United States. If you've been listening to this program, you know what's going on. They're realigning, rebalancing, quote-unquote. I know this is insane, but this is what's happening. The Middle East, from their perspective, you cannot have an Israeli victor. You cannot have a military victor. If you're rebalancing, that's why they continue to allow the spigot to bring billions and billions into Iran. This is why Biden... Austin Blinken will not hit Iran. Hit Iran, not the surrogate warehouses. Hit Iran. As General Keene has explained over and over again, there's bases there, there's training centers there, there's oil fields there. Be very simple. When they attacked one of our ships, when Ronald Reagan was president, he took out half their navy. And we never heard from the Iranians again. Half their navy. Escalating. Sometimes you have to escalate to ultimately de-escalate. That is, sometimes you have to escalate to punish evil. And you succeed. And that causes de-escalation. In the middle of a war, you don't start de-escalating. Just think about it for a second. A four-hour, six-hour, ten-hour pause. 
So what are all the Hamas Nazi rats going to be doing? They're going to be putting in more IEDs. They're going to be doing all kinds of things that are going to kill more Israelis and make the task even tougher. They don't want Israel to win. They won't enforce sanctions against Iran. They don't want to take out any of Iran's significant positions. This is worse than appeasement. This is giving aid and comfort to terrorist Nazi Islamic regimes. And these people keep talking about impeachment, go for it. But here's another impeachment article. You have a president of the United States who not only allowed, but encouraged Iran to rearm. And even after October 7th, doesn't do a damn thing to stop it. Nothing. Nothing. If that's not another impeachable offense, then you might as well just white out the word impeachment in the Constitution. This, the open border, this is doing grave damage to this country, to the security of the country and the security of our allies. And let me say this and put it on the table right now. The more this administration talks to Israel as if Israel is a second-class ally, the more their anti-Semitism bleeds through their pores. They don't talk to any other country like this. None. He's going to meet with Xi in San Francisco. Let's hope he doesn't give California to the communists. But he's going to meet with Xi. If he mentions the atrocities against the Muslim population there, it'll be in hushed tones. It'll be very diplomatic. If he mentions it. He certainly won't mention it to Turkey. He certainly doesn't mention it to Qatar. These people slaughter their way to the top and they keep their people down by brutalizing them. This administration is demonstrating to me more and more, just like their media, the extent to which it's anti-Semitic. Now, Mark, come on, they have some Jewish people there, you know, blinking it. That's why I wrote my book, The Democrat Party Hates America. Just read the second chapter. FDR had several prominent Jews around him, too. Most notably, his Secretary of the Treasury, Morgenthau. But he had others. But in the State Department, that's where the real anti-Semites hung out. And it had a devastating effect. That would be the same State Department that in the last 48 hours has issued a letter with 100 signatures from middle to low level State Department bureaucrats saying that this administration of all administrations is too pro-Israel. And of course the liberals, the liberal Democrats run with that, say, see, Biden has always supported Israel and he's supporting him here. Menachem Begin didn't think so. Benjamin Netanyahu doesn't think so. Although he won't say it and can't say it. I can. The State Department is where the real anti-Semites hang out. In this administration, in Franklin Roosevelt's administration. That's a legacy that they have over there. You know, they have country desks. All right, you take care of Iran, you take care of Iraq, you take care of Saudi Arabia, you take care of this, you take care of that. And then they have the one Jewish desk, the one Israel desk. There they are, 24, 25 Arab and Muslim desks, and there's the, the little desk for Israel. 
You realize, ladies and gentlemen, then I'm going to move on. If we had a president of the United States that said, we want Israel to crush Hamas, and to be as humanitarian as possible, of course. And if Hezbollah starts, we want them to crush them too. Iran, you keep hitting our targets. Now let me tell you, we're going to go into Iran with the best fighter jets on the face of the earth, and we're going to now pop some of your most important uh, infrastructure. Perfect time to hit their nuclear site, by the way. And you say to the other rest of the world, and what the hell do you plan to do about it? You announce to the American people that you're seeking an emergency supplemental to our Defense Department. Given the threats we're facing, we're not the warmongers, Ramaswamy. We're not the imperialists, Ramaswamy. We're not the colonialists, Ramaswamy. They are. Yes, endless wars. There can be endless wars when you fight wars not to win. Bush did it. Obama did it. Biden's doing it. So this should be a war where we support the Israelis mopping it up as fast as they can. Then we not only have the sanctions in place, which they are, but we enforce them. That's how you prevent an expansion. That's how you prevent World War III. Because the bottom line is, all these bastards are cowards. They can talk about the next life and 72 virgins and so forth. When Soleimani was taken out, that's not what they were saying. Oh, thank goodness, now he has his 72 virgins. They wet their robes. They were scared. They weren't thinking about the afterlife. That's the bottom line. I said many times during the course of the Obama administration that Obama is an anti-Semite and his administration reflects that. For which I was heavily attacked, but you can see it on the internet. We don't hide anything, Mr. Producer, do we? I post it because I believe it. And of course, the other day, I think Alan Dershowitz now understands. But Biden's no different and he's never been any different. Franklin Roosevelt, same thing. Joseph Kennedy Sr., same damn thing. I can go down a whole list of these people. New York Times, same damn thing. MSNBC, same damn thing. How many do I have to call out? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You want a killer Black Friday deal? I got one for you. Free Moto G 5G phone from Pure Talk. No gimmicks, no trading necessary. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, 15 gig data plan, just 35 bucks, and get the Moto G 5G phone free. But here's the deal. You need to move fast because these phones will be gone by the end of the month. So if your current phone is on life support, upgrade for free with Pure Talk. Enjoy two-day battery life, an exceptional quad-pixel camera, and a whole lot more. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, to get this exclusive offer and to select the plan that's right for your family. Remember, Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price. So make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Levin, that's slash L-E-V-I-N, to claim your free Moto G 5G phone with qualifying plan. Again, puretalk.com slash Levin, Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. 
There's a headline, Washington Free Beacon, one of the great sites by Adam Crato, one of the great writers. Ready for this? The Biden administration may approve a sanctions waiver this week that will allow Iran to access at least $10 billion in previously frozen funds held in Iraq. A closely watched decision that comes just a month after the Tehran-backed terror group Hamas slaughtered the Jews in Israel. I'm hoping by my bringing this up, it will cause enough outrage to stop this if I'm in time. $10 billion. Biden puts no limits on Iran. No conditions on Iran. No leaks against Iran. No public statements against Iran. Only the Jewish state of Israel. $10 billion in previously frozen funds. They're actually debating it and thinking about it. If that doesn't disgust you, I don't know what will. I'll be right back. You want a killer Black Friday deal? I got one for you. Free Moto G5G phone from Pure Talk. No gimmicks, no trade-in necessary. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, 15 gig data plan, just 35 bucks, and get the Moto G 5G phone free. But here's the deal. You need to move fast because these phones will be gone by the end of the month. So if your current phone is on life support, upgrade for free with Pure Talk. Enjoy two-day battery life, an exceptional quad pixel camera, and a whole lot more. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, to get this exclusive offer and to select the plan that's right for your family. Remember, Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price. So make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Levin, that's slash L-E-V-I-N, to claim your free Moto G 5G phone with qualifying plan. Again, puretalk.com slash Levin, Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. The Mark Levin Show, where the Reagan Coalition meets every day. Call now. 877-381-3811. First of all, I want to thank all of our affiliates out there for being as loyal as you are. None of this is possible without you. And by that, I do include Sirius XM, uh, our other platforms, which are multitudinous. Uh, you can listen online, on your computer. You can listen on your iPhone or whatever kind of a phone device you have. Uh... And, of course, we have a podcast, and you utilize all of them. And why am I saying this? Because if we get preempted, or, shocking as it may be, some station decides they want to go local or something like that, and, of course, we go to the competitor in the market, but nonetheless, over the course of two decades, these things do happen. You can always be your own program director. You can find all... All my full podcasts and my latest podcast and interviews and specials on YouTube. I never talk about this, but I should, shouldn't I, Mr. Producer? You go to YouTube.com at Mark Levin. YouTube.com at Mark L-E-V-I-N. I messed it up already. You go to YouTube.com Mark Levin Show. YouTube.com at Mark, L-E-V-I-N, show, or just search Mark Levin Show on YouTube. It's that simple. 
And we've got numbers going through the roof over there, and I never even talk about it. So again, that's YouTube.com at Mark Levin Show, or just go Mark Levin Show in YouTube. Also, you want to get the podcast elsewhere? You go to MarkLevinShow.com. This is our mothership. That's the website that has all of our information on there. Mark Levin, L-E-V-I-N Show.com. Click on Audio Rewind at the top and pick your favorite podcast platform. If you don't have a favorite, just pick one. Or you go to your favorite podcast platform, Apple or Google. That is Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and all the rest. And just search Mark Levin Show, and you subscribe for free. It's all free. The podcast is 100% free. Just like the radio show is 100% free. Some other person has to pay for it, like our sponsors, who are fantastic. So that's the podcast. That's where you can find it on the various podcast platforms. That's YouTube, where you can find it all on YouTube. So if you ever have an issue, you go, damn it, he's preempted, or damn it, where do I find him? Some little backwood station dropped, and now where do I go? Go where everybody else goes. The podcast is growing. I don't even talk about it, and it's growing. And the podcast takes the radio show and uh, has different sponsors, some overlap on the sponsors. It's a bit repackaged. So people who might, you know, may not be in their car, may not be at the dinner table, they may not have the radio on, that sort of thing. People who exercise, people the next morning, people who run. People tell me all the time who listen to the podcast, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. By the way, I'm working on something else that's interesting. I can't really explain it yet. But I think you're going to love it. I want to get the right partner. The right partner to do it. And so far, I haven't found that partner. But I'm thinking about it. Mark, what are you talking about? I'll let you know when I find it. I'm thinking about it. So I want you to be aware of that. Mr. Producer, where am I now? You there? Are we done with commercials, I mean? All right. Um, Hamas Ally Care, which has a very tight association with the Democrat Party and the media and the federal government. Paul Sperry has written about this like nobody else over real clear investigations. And he's got a piece up there from the other day. Hamas Ally Care has been operating with impunity inside America for 30 years. For 30 years. And uh, he points out, on Saturday afternoon, on Saturday afternoon, Care helped rally more than 100,000 Muslims in D.C. to instead condemn not the slaughter of the Jews on October 7th, but Israel for supposedly carrying out genocide in Gaza in response to October 7th attack. And you can hear this from Democrats and the media. You can hear it from Biden and Blinken. Of course, they have a right to defend themselves, but then again, they don't. Multiple speakers called for the destruction of Israel. This is care. And by implication, the Jewish people there, by demanding Palestinians take all the lands from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. Awad, Nihad Awad, Nihad Awad, who's the national executive director of CARE, he was at that meeting in Philadelphia with the other Hamas 
figures, terrorists. And uh, that's where they hatched the idea of creating care, as well as infiltrating our colleges and universities and the media, and they've done a great job of it. And this guy, Awad, was front and center delivering a fiery speech bashing Israel and Biden for not calling on Israel to stop bombing Hamas targets inside Gaza, which he called genocidal attacks. Remember, this guy is Hamas. He threatened to hurt Biden at the ballot box in 2024 if he does not urge a ceasefire. So they're blackmailing Biden. Either you allow us to slaughter the Jews in Israel without repercussions, or we're going to vote against you. That's what we have in the United States now. Just like the 1930s. Just like the Nazis had infiltrated our schools and our media. And the New York Times sat silently, as did the rest of the media. Notice there's no exposés of Nihad Awad. He said, we have discovered the language that Biden understands. No ceasefire, no votes. He bellowed to the crowd, which erupted in a chant repeating his words. Also, Awad promised to provide legal support to Muslim Americans who protest in support of Palestine. We are with you. The people of Gaza rely on your voices and activism. Where are you getting that money from, Nihad Awad? Where are you getting the money from? Well, according to that meeting you had in the 1990s in Philadelphia at the airport Marriott, I think it was, you're getting your money from overseas. If I'm wrong, just show us. Protesters later marched in the White House where they defaced the white brick gate of the executive mansion with red paint, symbolizing the blood of Gazans who have died from the Israeli army's counterattacks, Awad is on record declaring his support for Hamas. At Barry University in 1994, for example, he said, I am in support of the Hamas movement. Kerry did not respond to requests for comment, but without addressing specifics, it is previously argued, is not a front group for Hamas. Yes, you are. You're a front group for Hamas. The White House declined to comment while the FBI claimed charging care executives would be without its authority. Really? It's amazing, isn't it? Amazing what they charged Trump with or protesters in January 6th with. But these guys, they can't find a reason. While care is now a mainstay of American politics headquartered just three blocks from the U.S. Capitol with 35 offices across the country. That's how ubiquitous this movement has gotten. Its history reveals its close connections with terror groups such as Hamas. As detailed in the 2009 book that uh, Paul Sperry authored, Muslim Mafia. Co-authored with counterterrorism expert P. David Gorbaz, Muslim Mafia inside the secret underworld that's conspiring to Islamicize America. Boy, was he right on. And the story began in Palestinian refugee camp in Jordan in the 60s, where Awad and co-founder of CARE, Omar Ahmad, were born. They both came to the United States for university studies. You get it? University studies. By 1992, Ahmad was a key member of the so-called Palestinian Committee in America, which helped finance Hamas, according to a 1992 letter from the Gaza Strip. Hamas asked the committee for money to buy, quote, weapons. Weapons are brothers. And the letter continued, quote, the meaning of killing a Jew for the liberation of Palestine cannot be compared to any jihad on earth. In other words, there's nothing more important. 
We talked about the FBI with the wiretaps in 1993, documenting the incarnation of CARE. And according to the court testimony agent, Laura Burns, I'll testify that Ahwad and Awad and other leaders who gathered there hatched a scheme to disguise overseas payments to Hamas. And there he is, Ahwad. And even though the FBI knew this and so forth and so on, Obama had, him to the, had them to the White House repeatedly. Biden has. They all work under this umbrella, the Muslim Brotherhood. Which wants a caliphate. I have posted for you earlier this afternoon the Hamas mission statement. It's all there for all to see. For Jake Tapper to see, for Andrea Mitchell to see, for Joe Scarborough, for uh, all the fantastic... Jew-hating hosts at MSNBC. For them all to look at it. How many of them have actually read out loud to their audience what's in there or put it in a graphic or shown them? None of them. Not one. Ahmad would co-found CARE in 1994, hiring Ahwad as executive director the same year. Now both have expressed hatred toward Israel and resentment toward their adopted country. That would be the United States. And Burns testified during the 2008 terrorism trial. Um, the Holy Land Foundation was the largest terror funding case in American history. And CARE was included on a list of co-conspirators underwriting Hamas terrorism. And, and, and they get away with this stuff. They get away with it. So Donald Trump says, I'm president of the United States. You're not going to get away with this. In fact... If I have a way to deport people who are terrorists or supporting terrorists or linked to terrorist groups, I'm going to get rid of them. He said they're, uh, uh, I'll get to the audio in a moment, like vipers or venom. And so the media, starting with Scarborough, but you know how it works, whisper down the line, the Washington Post said that's Hitler talk. So Trump's Hitler again. Was Trump Hitler when he was in office for four years? Of course not. The anti-Semites are in the Biden administration. They're in the, they were in the Obama administration. They're at the Washington Post. They're at CNN and MSNBC. They're at the New York Times. That's where they are. They even hire people who praise Hitler. But now Trump's Hitler again. So the real Hitlerians slaughter Jews, the Jews fight back, and now the Jews, they say, are slaughtering citizens. Trump, the greatest friend Israel's ever had in the Oval Office, now he's Hitler. See how it works? So who's Goebbels in all this? That would be the American media. The big line just repeated. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. You want a killer Black Friday deal? I got one for you. Free Moto G5G phone from Pure Talk. No gimmicks, no trade-in necessary. 
Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, 15 gig data plan, just 35 bucks, and get the Moto G 5G phone free. But here's the deal. You need to move fast because these phones will be gone by the end of the month. So if your current phone is on life support, upgrade for free with Pure Talk. Enjoy two-day battery life, an exceptional quad pixel camera, and a whole lot more. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, to get this exclusive offer and to select the plan that's right for your family. Remember, Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price. So make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Levin, that's slash L-E-V-I-N, to claim your free Moto G 5G phone with qualifying plan. Again, puretalk.com slash Levin, Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. Uh, let's see here. There was something I wanted to. Oh, here it is. What have we been talking about? Immigration, migration. Over at a hot air, David Strom. MIT didn't suspend protesters violating rules because they could be deported. Pro Hamas protesters on the campus of MIT were warned that if they didn't disperse, they were violating campus policies that prohibited interfering with academic activities and the free movement of students. In other words, they were targeting Jewish students. The Jewish students couldn't come on campus through the main entrance. They had to be rerouted to other entrances. Once the protesters finally dispersed, the administration decided not to follow through on their threats to punish the students for violating their policies. Why? Because MIT President Kornbluth B-L-U-T-H, Kornbluth. She writes, we later heard serious concerns about collateral consequences for these students, such as visa issues. So we have decided as an interim action that the students who remain after the deadline will be suspended from non-academic campus activities. But the students will remain enrolled at MIT and will be able to attend academic classes and labs. In other words, as they write, a substantial fraction of the students shouting for intifada. Attacking the United States, attacking the Jews, the extermination of the Jews, threatening students are from overseas. Overseas and gee, I wonder where they're from and why won't the media tell us where they're from? I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, 
deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. So the echo chamber of the Hamas-supporting anti-Semites on cable news who are trying to put and support the putting of Donald Trump in prison for the rest of his life are now calling him Hitler. The only president to ever have Jewish children and grandchildren who would win an election by a landslide in the only Jewish state who was president for four years and did nothing to suggest he was Hitler. I think one of the grave problems we have in this country, quite frankly, is the existence of MSNBC, is the existence of CNN. They're not about free speech. These are propaganda and indoctrination mills. That's what they are. And they hire Jew haters. And they hire American haters. And they hire people who censure by omission, commission, and of course are propagandists. I pointed out constantly, I pointed out on Fox, I pointed out on Blaze. It's their own words. It's their own histories. Book after book after book about what the media failed to do during the Third Reich and the Holocaust. Book after book after book. Now I have found about the indoctrination, pro-Nazi indoctrination at our colleges and universities. But Trump, you see, is Hitler. Well, let's begin by listening to Cut 10. Go. Uh, as Donald Trump himself knows. That would be uh, Joe Scarborough, one of the least important one of the least important human beings on the face of the earth. Go ahead. Uh, as Donald Trump himself knows, uh, what were they called? The Drumpfs? What were they? The uh, what was his last name? Drumpf? Drumpfs. I think it was the, the Drumpfs. Help him the out dr- there, sidekick, Ed McMahon. Help him out there. Come on, I'm trying to trash Trump. Go ahead came here uh, from Germany when uh, just having a name, Drumpf, and being from Germany uh, was seen as anti-American and seen as poisoning the bloodstream of America. And now we're going, we're just going full on Hitler uh, yeah. talking about. You know, you, you know what, folks? For this piece of crap to throw going full on Hitler and for his wife whose father was a real anti-Semite, in my view, in the Carter administration. For him to talk like this, full-on Hitler, while he sits that fat ass of his on MSNBC, when he has hosts that have said the most horrific things about Jews, at least three of them, at least three of them, is sickening, full-on Hitler. And these are the people... These are the people who just keep stoking evil in this country more and more and more. He won't be condemned. The New York Times actually hires somebody who's promoting Hitler. Fires them, then hires them back. You didn't hear a word about that on MSNBC. 
You didn't hear a word about Hassan and what he said in the past. You don't hear a word about Joy Reid. One, two, three. That's at least four anti-Semites. And what she said. And he sits there on his fat ass, Joe Scarborough, talking about Trump. They're dehumanizing Trump as much as they can. Scarborough used to have his head so far up Trump's butt, it was coming out of his right nostril. But he offended them. Oh, we're sorry, Joe. Barely articulate, barely literate Joe. Then this, by this phony history historian who's been giving advice and writing speeches for Biden without telling you. John Meacham. It's a fraud. Cut 11, go. Uh, John, um, I, 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 I think... Uh, he should probably uh, give some, pay some royalties uh, to Mussolini's family trust. Listen to this. Because Listen when he's rooting out communist, Marxist, radical left, vermin, uh, destroying the country, it is, it is, he, he's, lit, he's lifting it from Mussolini and other fascists from the past. No, he's not. No, he's not. Tell me, tell me something, Scarface. I mean, Scarborough. There was an operation that was conducted during Eisenhower's presidency. We've talked about this many several years ago. I didn't give it this name. They did, called Operation Wetback. And Dwight Eisenhower is often cited by the radical left Democrats and historians as a great man, a great president, a moderate Republican. He issued a military order. He wanted all illegal aliens rounded up, whether they were taken out of their homes, their businesses, it didn't matter. It didn't matter their age, didn't matter what they were doing, it didn't matter what agriculture said or any other businesses said. And he said, get them out of the country, they're here illegally. And that's exactly what they did. One million people were deported. Now, they'd been deported before, they would move them over the border and then they would come back. But that's not what he did this time. He moved them deep into Central and South America with the United States military. Most of you don't even know about this unless you've listened to this show in the past. Was he Hitler? When Franklin Roosevelt rounded up 120,000 Japanese Americans, most of whom were citizens, took their homes away from them, their properties away from them, forcibly moved them to 10 different internment camps, nine of which are in the Midwest. Because they were Japanese, because FDR had a, uh, had a severe prejudice against Japanese long before World War II, long before he was president. Was he Hitler? Joe Biden today, on the southern border, is allowing fentanyl to come into this country and kill 100,000 Americans a year. He's allowing criminals to come in, potentially terrorists to come in. The inhumanity that's going on on that southern border is almost unspeakable to little kids and women being sold into sex slaves. They used to jump on Trump about cages. Cages? You see what's going on today? Is that Hitler? Is Biden Hitler? But Trump uses the word vermin, and he's Hitler. And the Democrat Party and their media are telling you, if he's elected, we're going to lose our democracy. He's going to turn the Justice Department against his political enemies. First of all, that's exactly what's happened today. 
Secondly, he will get more resistance than you can imagine out of that Department of Justice. The Democrat Party owns the Department of Justice. But that aside, it's funny how they don't call real Hitlerians Hitler. Many of whom are in their own business. Journalism. Journalism. But you can get away with saying anything about Trump. He used that word vermin. No, no. That's Hitler. And in my book, Unfreedom of the Press, I have quote after quote after quote by Scarborough calling him Hitler, Mussolini. This is go- goes on for years because Scarborough is a demagogue. He's a propagandist. He sits there and opines like he actually has two brain molecules to rub together. He's sickening. Cut 12, Mr. Producer, go. And that new reporting from The Times, by the way, comes on the heels of a story we brought to you on this program just last week. As detailed by The Washington Post, Trump and his allies have already begun mapping out specific plans for using the Justice Department to punish his opponents should he win a second term. Well, you know what? The Democrats don't have to map out plans. They've already executed it. How many Trump lawyers have been suspended or lost their bar licenses? How many Trump lawyers have been indicted at one level of government or another? And for what? How many charges have been brought against Trump? 91 in four different jurisdictions. And we can go on and on and on. So Trump doesn't have to, the Democrats don't have to map out, they're doing it. And this clown who's speaking shouldn't be anywhere near a television camera or microphone for the things he has said, which are among the most despicable I've ever heard. But Joe Scarborough is okay with that. He's okay with Sharpton, who he has on his show all the time. Meacham, the great historian. Yes, yes, that's very much Hitlerian. He's perfectly happy with showing up on MSNBC. And they all want to be part of the New York Times which covered up the Holocaust. But Trump used the word vermin. Oh, my God. Do you know Hitler once used that word? He did? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about eugenics and Hitler. Where did he get that from? He got it from the progressives. It's right there. Chapter 2. Laid out. Footnotes. Indisputable. Unequivocal. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Welcome back, America. We're here with Florida's governor. I call him America's governor, Ron DeSantis. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, Mark. And uh, before I forget, people can uh, go to our website at uh, rondesantis.com, rondesantis.com, if you're interested in helping us out. Thanks. All right. You you know, uh, Governor, I watch these debates. I talk about these debates. I try to follow this election as closely as anybody can. And I have to say, you're running on your record as the governor of Florida, which is quite consequential. In fact, you've done so many things, and I am a resident of Florida as a result of you being governor of Florida, that you could barely list them all. <laughs> and yet, Nikki Haley was governor for a long time in South Carolina, and she never runs on her record. She doesn't bring it up. If she does bring it up, she's very defensive about it. 
What do you make of that? Well, look, uh, Mark, at the end of the day, uh, are you somebody that's producing results uh, or are you just in office to bide time? And my view was when I sat down at the desk in the state capitol when I first took office as governor, uh, I looked around the office and I said, I don't know what SOB is going to succeed me, but they're not going to have anything to do because I'm taking all the meat off the bone. Uh, I'm not going to waste any time. I'm going to get all this stuff I promised done. And I've done that. Everything I promised I would do, uh, I have delivered on. And these are very consequential things, as you mentioned. Uh, I think somebody like Nikki Haley, she's running away from her record as governor because her main uh, task as governor, she saw it, was to recruit investment from the Chinese Communist Party into South Carolina. She was the number one ranked governor uh, at bringing in China into her state when she was governor. And she actually, uh, South Carolina gave away mil- uh, land to the CCP uh, five miles away from a military base for them to do uh, a business venture there. And that was very consistent. She went to China with the World Economic Forum back in the day. She took other junkets there. And this was something she wrote a love letter to the ambassador uh, when she was governor saying, what a great friend China was. So that's just, that's very consistent. That was her worldview. That was what she did. Now she's trying to say she's a completely different person on all that, and she's trying to trying to run away from it. Uh, she's also never gotten involved in a fight and actually fought on behalf of conservatives and won. I mean, for example, we've done things uh, in Florida like protect uh, girls and women from having boys and men go into their bathrooms and locker rooms. When she was governor of South Carolina, she killed a bill that was being proposed that would have provided those protections. And so this is just a pattern with kind of how she does things, doesn't stand up when it matters, is basically catering uh, to the more liberal Republican donor class. Now, this Republican donor class is interesting because I was watching one billionaire on TV and uh, it was bizarre. Sometimes I wonder how these guys get to be billionaires, but that's just me, Governor. Anyway, uh, first he said he supported Trump. Then he supported you. Then he supported Tim Scott. Now he's supporting Nikki Haley. Isn't that kind of bizarre? I mean, do these billionaire donors, not all of them, but these, these what, what is it? It's the, the flavor of the day, or are they all now, all the ruling class corporatists, are they now, and I'm, I'm going to suggest this is the case, the ruling class rhino corporatists are now betting on Nikki Haley. A lot of them are, No. Well, I think there's a couple things. One, I think the fact that a guy like me, I'm not just saying this stuff on China. I've backed it up. We banned China from buying land in Florida uh, when I, since I've been governor. We have kicked them out of the universities, things like Confucius Institutes. So we're very serious about decoupling this country from China and uh, obtaining our economic independence from China. There are people on Wall Street that don't like that. Uh, They've made a lot of money in China, and even though it's weakened our country, they want to continue doing that. So I do think that that's part of it. The other part of it, I think, is that they just want a candidate that they're able to control. So when they need something, they're able to say, you need to do this. Whereas with me, uh, you know, there have been articles written the whole year uh, about how donors are frustrated that I'm standing on principle, such as when we're standing up to Disney uh, about keeping sexualization of our curriculum out of Florida schools, particularly for these young grades. I mean, I have a six, a five, and a three-year-old at home that, that my wife and I are raising, 
And it is totally inappropriate to tell a first grader that they were born in the wrong body or that their gender is a choice. And so when the left is trying to do that, we're fighting back in Florida. We're standing up for parents. Disney fights us. Uh, I think a lot of these guys expect you to just bend the knee because it's a big, powerful corporation. I will not do that. I'm not going to subcontract out my leadership to a woke corporation based in Burbank, California. So we stood up, we fought back, and we won that battle. And I definitely think a lot of them uh, do not like that. So, But here's the thing. Leadership's just about doing what you think is right for the right reason. Let the chips fall where they may. Uh, These donors, fine, they can support who they want. But what I find is over the long term, people do gravitate to leadership. And when they see that you're uh, willing to follow through true north, there's a lot of support out there. Uh, So do not try to twist yourself into a pretzel just to please some of these guys. But I notice the Gerald Ford wing of the Republican Party is kind of piling up on you. Uh, the Chris Christie's, the Sununu's, the Peggy Noonan's, the, and I'll say the, uh, the Hellies and so forth. Why is he fighting these culture wars? Didn't the culture wars come to you? It's not like you were looking for the culture wars. CRT, DEI, ESG, the whole alphabet soup, the brainwashing of our children, the sexualization of our children. Disney, Nikki Haley said, come, come to South Carolina. That's when I finally said, wait a minute, what's that all about? So in other words, They are not prepared in their own states. They are not prepared at the national level to take on this cultural rot that's taking place. Well, I think what's happened is the left, any time they can get a hold of an institution, uh, they are going to do that, and then they are going to manipulate that institution to be able to advance their agenda. So it used to be the case back in the day where, corporations weren't pursuing any political agendas. They were basically just trying to uh, earn profit for their shareholders and return value for their shareholders. And so, yeah, I mean, you, you probably would just say, you know what, you guys do your job. But when you're in a situation where you have these asset managers like BlackRock using these things like so-called ESG, they're trying to impose an agenda on society without our consent. They are trying to change our society. They are trying to undermine our rights with their agenda. So as a leader, you can't just put your head in the sand and say, oh, well, we're just not going to get involved in that. You got to fight back. You got to defend your folks uh, against these aggressions. So people say somehow, oh, fight culture war. Like, look, they're they're coming after us. I've got to take a hard break. We'll be right back with Governor Ron DeSantis. Mark Levin. The Thunder on the Right. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Governor Ron DeSantis, um, you've taken on Iran. You've taken on Hamas. Uh, even though you're a governor, you, uh, you decided to go your own way on these vaccines. You decided to go your own way on immigration with respect to Biden. Um. I mean, Florida has a significant population, very significant economy. Now, um, you signed in the law today, as I understand it, the biggest expansion of Iran sanctions in America. You've also passed a spending initiative in order to protect these Jewish day schools and uh, religious institutions generally, as well as synagogues. Do you want to tell us about that? 
Yeah, we've uh, always had, um, since I've been governor, uh, strong sanctions against Iran. But in the aftermath of the October 7th attacks, we looked and said, clearly, these attacks would not have happened had Biden not rele- uh, relieved sanctions and allowed the oil sales to Iran. Any money they get, they're going to plow into terrorism. So is there more that we can do from the state perspective? And look, we're one state, but if Florida were its own country, we'd be the 13th biggest economy in the world. So we do put, we do carry some weight. So we work with the legislature to do a special session of the legislature, expanded the sanctions in every direction we could to try to choke off any money going from Florida to, to Iran in any way that we can think of creatively. Uh, and I hope other states will do the same. Obviously, Biden should be doing way more at the federal level. He can choke off money going into the regime if he wanted to, uh, but he has this delusion that somehow they're going to end up uh, doing a deal with Iran. Now, we also did the protection, additional funding, and we've been doing this since I've been governor, protecting uh, Jewish day schools. In the aftermath of the October 7th attack, we had state resources dispatched uh, to all Jewish areas of interest, synagogues, Jewish day schools, museums, uh, to guard against any anybody that wanted to try to attack those institutions. And then what I've done in, at the university is we have the Students for Justice for Palestine, which has uh, allied itself with Hamas. And so we're in the, we, we've delisted them. We're fighting with the universities. We're going to win that. But uh, they don't have a right to be a student group at our universities and get tax dollars uh, if they're allied with Hamas. It's a terrorist group, and we can't provide material support to terrorism. And then just as a presidential candidate, I mean, I was the first one to say You see these pro-Hamas demonstrations around the country, and it's really chilling to see what they're doing, taking down the American flag, burning the American flag, putting up a Palestinian flag. And I'm just thinking to myself, uh, some of these people, and there was an article about MIT, all the demonstrations were being led by foreign foreign students. So if you're here on a foreign student visa, foreign student, you have no right to be here. It's a privilege to study here. If you're making common cause with Hamas, as president, I'm canceling your visa and I'm sending you home. We just cannot put up with this. We can't end up having this country be like Europe with what it's did, with, with how it's let all, all these people in that don't want to assimilate, uh, that, that hate Israel, hate Jews. Uh, I've also said no Gaza refugees into this country. Mark, you know they're taught to hate Jews from a very young age. Uh, Israel is not even on the map uh, of this, of the in the textbooks. The kids are taught that Israel doesn't even have a right to exist. And so why would we want to import 300,000 people from the Gaza Strip like some of these lefties want to do uh, and dump them into our country? That's not good for the American people. So we can't be politically correct about this stuff. Uh, we need to defend our own country, um, and we cannot allow uh, this to continue the way it's gone. And by the way, as a footnote, didn't you get some initial pushback from uh, Nikki Haley and then she backed off on that issue? Right. I mean, I think her words were when confronted with what I said, she said that America has, quote, always been able to separate a terrorist from a so-called freedom fighter. And, quote, that's what we need to do here. And so people said, well, gee, she's opening the door to vet these Gazans and wants to bring them in. Then she said, no, she's never done it. You know, the media claims that, um, that that she never wanted Gaza refugees. But why would you be wanting to vet these people unless you're going to import them? There'd be no reason to be vetting or talk about separating terrorists uh, from freedom fighters. Uh, And that's what she did. That was her instinct uh, when she was first confronted with my position that we just shouldn't take any period.
You know, Governor, I understand why the Democrat Party ruling class, I understand why MSNBC, CNN, and the other reprobates, and I understand why some people believe that immigration is about foreigners wanting to come to the United States. But historically, from our founding almost up to recent times, slightly before our current times, immigration was a privilege and you don't get to come into the United States unless it is known that you're going to contribute to this culture and this society, let alone be hostile to it, let alone march against it and so forth. And yet the, the hardcore left, whether it's the media, the Democrat Party, and quite frankly, corporatists and others, they don't seem to get it. Immigration isn't a freedom that's accorded overseas to anybody who wants to come here. The goal is our representatives are supposed to represent we the people and people are supposed to come here if they will improve our society, not the other way around. Correct? 100%. It's all about whether it benefits the American people or not. And of course, throughout our history, uh, we, we've obviously had times where the country has benefited uh, from people coming here who want, who've worked hard and really embraced the American way of life. There's no question about that. But if you don't believe in our founding principles and you do not want to assimilate into this country, you should not be let into this country. Mm-hmm. And I think what Europe has done over the last 10, 15 years is they've imported a lot of people who do not want to assimilate into those societies who do not share the values of those societies, but are bringing their own culture, a foreign culture, and they're replicating that uh, in these European places. You look at Germany, they have more anti-Semitism today than at any time since Hitler, and it's not because uh, a lot of the, the, the native Germans, a lot of it is done through the immigration that they've done uh, to import people that have those views. So we've got to get real here in the United States. We've got to stop being politically correct. Uh, you don't have a right to come to this country. And if you're not somebody that wants to embrace our way of life and embrace our founding principles, uh, then, then we will take a pass on having you come to this country. This is so crucially important, and yet it's considered so controversial by the phony media and the Democrat Party and their Marxists in the squad and so forth. Look at this. They're discriminating. Let me tell you, I just want people to understand. No country is compelled to bring people into the country from cultures or backgrounds or educational systems that are not going to be able to work within the framework of our constitutional republic. That is national suicide. Everybody's understood that. You know, the late Governor Lamb of Colorado, he was a big liberal, he was a Democrat, and he gave one of the finest speeches, not just of a Democrat, ever. If you want to destroy America, you do exactly what we're doing when it comes to immigration. And so few people are willing to stand up to it because they come under attack. You came under immediate attack, didn't you? Yeah, but here's the thing. We've we got to get beyond uh, that. If you're, anytime you stand up for the right thing right now, they're going to attack you. That's just, that's just par for the course. So uh, part of the reason we're in this mess is because a lot of Republicans uh, have been more interested in being politically correct, and they've been more interested in getting plaudits from the media than they are about doing what's right. But uh, time is running out for this country to reverse course on a whole host of issues, but particularly um, on this issue. And yes, the border is a major issue. Yes, we've got to stop the invasion there. 
Yes, terrorists have come into this country. The media, when I said that debate, they tried to make a big deal about it. Uh, Mark, there's 8 million people. You don't think that terrorists are taking advantage of this? Of course they are. Give me a break. So we know that. But we also have to look at the legal immigration. and We have to look at who we're importing, uh, and we have to be very smart about that. So uh, we will do that, and and there'll be a sea change, um, you know, when when I get in uh, with respect to to immigration. And it's just common sense. And honestly, like the people that came at Ellis Island, if they had presented as somebody that rejected America, the Americans back then would have sent them back home. They would have Mm -hmm. put them back on the boat and send them back home. There would have been no questions asked. Everybody agreed that you had to want to be an American and you you, you had to aspire to assimilate into our culture. Last question, Governor. Don't you find it amazing that there's absolutely no curiosity by these various radical left-wing media outlets, these corporatists, about who these people are in the streets who are saying the most hateful things about Jews in the United States and and uh, how they're getting organized and how they're getting money. I don't know of many that have actually dug into this. Do you? No. And I mean, you think about it. If there's like a Republican candidate running for office and is doing a rally, the media will try to find anybody in that crowd that they can find that says something off color or whatever, and then they'll try to expose and they'll try to smear. And they go through great lengths to be able to do things like that as a matter of course when it comes to anyone associated you know, with a Republican. Now you have some of the most nasty anti-Semitic violence. And honestly, I was somebody who knew that there was problems with this, but uh, a month and a half ago, I would not have thought it was even close to this bad. I agree. So it's something like we've really not seen in our country in recent, in recent history, and yet they don't care. They're not running down any of this. In fact, some of these college students were, some of these businesses said, you're not, we're not going to hire you. The media sided with the pro-Hamas demonstrators. They acted like that was some great injustice. I'm sorry. If you want to apply for a job with me uh, and you have on your resume that you're out there celebrating one of the worst terrorist attacks in history and making common cause with Hamas, you are rejected. We are not even going to consider you at that point. And that is a totally appropriate response, uh, given what happened in Israel and given the, the conduct that we're seeing in the streets from some of these people. Well, given that the New York Times hired a, uh, a man who was celebrating Hitler as one of their photojournalists, then when it was found out, dropped that person and then rehired that person, Really, a few weeks ago, as the New York Post pointed out, I don't think most of the media which covered up the Holocaust has any moral standing to do what it does, quite frankly. And it's amazing to me that so few people actually resign who find uh, as more of this information comes out about the New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN and MSNBC and all of them, that more people don't resign. They just uh, they just go along with the playbook. Anyway, Governor. I want to thank you very, very much. Again, if people want to help, where do they go? Uh, RonDeSantis.com, RonDeSantis.com. Thanks so much, Mark. Best to your family and stay safe. God bless you, sir. All right, Mr. Producer, what am I doing now? I can't right now. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. He's a good man. Ron is a good man. This is a great state, Florida. 
this state could have had a tax income tax put in place. The culture could be running to hell like it is in every other state in the union, quite frankly. Even Tennessee, where my kids are. Even Texas. Even Georgia, where Kemp is. But not in this state. There's a whole different mindset here since he's become governor. So I don't believe that should be diminished in any respect. I know these primaries are tough, but a record is a record. And when people are doing good things, it needs to be credited and given and acknowledged. I just don't see that under Haley. She doesn't have a list of things that she did that made a difference in the culture, made a difference in politics, made a difference in the economy there, anything else. I said she's George W. Bush in a dress, and of course the Soros sycophants got very upset, and they posted on it. So I took it and I reposted what they said, as I will continue to do, because that's what it is. So you have George Soros's Media Matters supporting Nikki Haley. I want you to think about that. Moody's cuts U.S. outlook to negative, citing deficits and political polarization. Let me tell you something. Moody's never cut anything under Trump. We have a bunch of big spending Marxist drunks in the House and the Senate joined by, joined by rhinos. The Mitch McConnell repubics. They are destroying our country. Interest on the debt is heading north of $1 trillion a year. Interest on the debt is growing bigger than the defense budget. So Moody's lowers our ratings. And of course, they look, look at the political turmoil in the United States. They never blame the party that deserves the blame. The Democrat Party and the rhinos. That's why there's no time for Nikki Haley. I don't give a damn what these billionaires think. I don't know who Andrew Sabin is. Ask me if I give a damn. I don't. We need more patriotic billionaires. We're going to help save the country. The country goes down. I hate to tell them they go down too. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, and the freedom fighters all over the world. And folks... Our brothers and sisters in Israel, even though Biden and the Democrats are now stabbing him in the back. Not here, not now. And if you can go to that rally in the National Mall tomorrow, I urge you to do it. God bless you. See you tomorrow. 